book of Acts, chapter 1 this morning. Book of Acts, chapter 1. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse number 1. In the former trees that have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up after that the Holy, through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. You ought to underline that in your Bible. By many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, just thank you for your word. Thank you. Ask the blessing of the reading of the word. Help our hearts and help us to be encouraged, Father. We just praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jesus arose. How many of you are glad that he died and then he arose again for your sins? Uh, he didn't stay on that cross this morning. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He borrowed it because he didn't need to keep it long. In three days he got up and lived again. And he's forever making intercession for us. Now how many of you are glad that he's the serve a risen Savior this morning? I'm glad that I'm not worshiping some dead God. Amen. But we're worshiping a God that was alive this morning. The Bible said that after he got up from the grave, he revealed himself in resurrection power to many people. In fact, Paul said it. He said it was above 500 that saw Jesus. Those people are the writers here tells us that they became the infallible proofs, literally becoming living proof that Jesus was alive. When people met them, they saw the risen Savior say, there is something different about them. There's something different about the ones who met the risen Savior. They would say that man must have been uh, with God. He looks different uh, can I say, do you look different from the day that you met him before you met him? You should be looking different. I want to walk away from this place this morning, and I want people to see my life, see it so much that they see Christ in me. It's not me. I want them to know that there's no doubt that I serve a risen Savior this morning. I know he's living. Whatever men may say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And you're living proof this morning that Jesus is alive this morning. The Bible said that people uh, that Jesus ran into after the resurrection uh, became living proof. Can you imagine being one of those people that got to see Jesus after he got up out of the grave? Wouldn't you have uh, 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 been a part of that meeting? I, I, I want to preach this morning on uh, uh, from time to time uh, uh, of the, His resurrection, God uh, 
saw things and put things into motion. It, it wasn't the Romans that hung him on the cross. It wasn't the Jews that hung him on the cross. It, it, it wasn't man that hung him on the cross. But Jesus said, I'll lay down my life. He made a choice for you and I to die upon the cross for our sins this morning. It was not the nails that held him to the cross, but the love for the lost and dying sinner this morning. But I'm glad he did not stay dead. I got to thinking about those people that he might have come in contact with. What a, what a surprise. Can you imagine uh, Jesus after he got out of the grave and, and he went over to Pilate's door. Pilate opens that door and the Pilate looks at him and goes, did we not just put you on a cross? Did, did, did we not just get rid of you? Did we not uh, put an end to this thing that you're trying to do? Uh, uh, we, we put you in the tomb, but yet here you stand. I can imagine Jesus having a conversation with him. says, don't you remember when I told you when we was in your room that I have the power to lay down my life and I also have the power to take it up again. The only power that you have is what my Father gives you. Wouldn't that have been something? Imagine he went to the priest that mocked him, slapped him, plucked his hair and put the crown of thorns on his head, whipped him the cat of nine tails. Imagine him going to the priest because the Bible said he never opened his mouth or accused any of them. But imagine him knocking on the doors of the priest. Boy, would that have been a shock. He could accuse them. All he could say was, I'm back. Grave couldn't hold me, I'm back. Wouldn't it have been something to see the risen Savior then? So I got looking and studying and trying to dig into this. Who was it that Jesus showed himself to? Who, who were the people that saw Jesus? He walked for many days afterwards, but only a few people saw him. And I imagine there were probably some people that did not see him, but yet he walked right by them. So I got to thinking about who were the people that actually Jesus revealed himself to. I, I loved when he had been there and he revealed himself to me that I could see that he was the risen Savior, that I know that he was the risen Savior. I imagine there were people still walking around and not understanding what happened, but yet Jesus was alive and he was there. I remember the day that I was lost and blind and couldn't see anything. I can remember the day when I was down in the pits and then Jesus came by. I began to see again. I start to understand him. And Jesus revealed himself to me at the altar and said, hey, I've got you. So who is it these people that Jesus revealed himself to but not the other people? 
First of all, let me say this. He revealed himself to those that were looking for him. In John chapter 20, verse 11, 10, that you don't have to go there, but it said, uh, uh, Then the disciples went away again unto their own homes. You got to understand, uh, I got to looking at this. He said, The disciples uh, then went to their own homes. Uh, these were the very ones that Jesus handpicked. These are the very ones that Jesus said, hey, follow me. These are the very ones that saw Jesus stand on the bow of the boat and spoke in the wind and the seas obey. And they spake and said, what manner of man that spakes that even the wind and sea obeys. These are the ones that saw him turn water into wine. These very ones saw him, uh, that the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years to reach out and touch his gem of his garment and immediately was healed. These very ones were the same ones that went into the graveyard and watched him call out, Lazarus, come forth! You would think that those guys were looking for him. You would think that all they saw Jesus do and they walked with him for three and a half years and seen the miracle after miracle after miracle. You would think those would have been the last ones to walk away. You would think that. The last ones. But here it says, they turned and went home. I've had people say, I'll stand beside you. I'll go with you all the way. I'll be right there. I, I, I don't care what goes, uh, what comes. I, I'm going to be right you. But let me tell you, when it starts getting tough, they're the first ones that's gone. They may yell a lot and brag a lot, but they're the first ones that will walk out on you. Amen. But you would think the disciples handpicked from Jesus and he knew the hearts and he knew what they were about that they would have stuck it out longer. They would have been there. They would, they would not have gotten up. They, wouldn't have, they would not have went back home. But the Bible says that the disciples went away again under their own homes. But in verse 11 of chapter 20 it says, But... Mary. <clears throat> I love that word, but. Aren't you glad that when people give up, when the people throw the towel in uh, and they're finished with God and walk away, there are some uh, that says, I will not go. I will stand there. I'm going to be there. I'm not going away. Mary stood without weeping from the tomb. It got tough. It got rough. But she remained faithful. You know what faith is? Not being able to see the end in sight, but still believing and walking and serving God. When you got no hope, when everybody else has gone home, Mary stood without. 
You know what Jesus uh, reveals himself to? Those that are looking for him. He will not reveal himself to those uh, that are not looking for God, but looking for the things of this world, the things of this flesh. He will not reveal himself to you. The reason why our churches are getting into today because people are not looking for him anymore. People are falling away. They seek out their games. They seek out the fun. They seek out their own righteousness. They want the popularity of the world. They want fame. But it's only for those who are looking for him that he will reveal himself to. The ones that are looking for him, they're going to see him. Those that are faithful. There are three types that Jesus reveals himself. I, I, I find Mary, uh, the, the heartfelt desire to believe this. This is not it. I, I imagine what she's standing there at the tomb and all that she saw Jesus do and what Jesus had done for her. I imagine she's standing there and all the disciples done gone home. She's standing there looking at the tomb and says, this ain't it. This can't be the end. I've seen him do things that nobody else can do. He said it is going to do this. This could not be the end of it. I'm just going to believe what he said he can do. And I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. Mary's a type that's looking for God when nobody else is looking for God. She's waiting to see. If you need singers to sing in order to get you going, something's wrong. If you need preaching to get you going, something's wrong. Maybe, maybe you need somebody to grab a Bible at home and kneel beside bed before you start have an altar prayer at home. You're looking for somebody else to get you started. Mary was left alone. She was by herself. The disciples are left, but yet she's going to remain faithful because she believes what she knows about God. Mary's not walking away. She's going to look for God. You know, the I love this type of Marys. The Marys in church today is those that have to have an altar call. They don't pack up and run to the door and got to get out quickly. I like the Marys in church when altar call's done and everybody's out to talk at the altar and Mary's back here watching and says, God's going to move. God's going to do something. And when he does, I want to see it. I want to be there. Too many of us, uh, when church is over, we pack it up and see how fast we can get out the door and get home. We find that we find more things at home to revel in than the things at the house of God. Yeah, man. Good preaching. I don't care if they don't like it or not. Amen. 
She's the type that's going to hang out and wait for God to move. You know, when we put God on a timetable, Lord, we're going to start our services at 11 o'clock and be done by 12 o'clock. And if you ain't moved by then, come back Sunday night and try to move us again. Try to get us going then. If you can't get us going then, but I'll tell you what, we'll just uh, try to fake it ourselves. That's the problem with a lot of churches today. They're trying to fake the power of God and the Spirit of God. And it ain't so. It can't be. They deny the power of God. False religion. <clears throat> Mary is looking for God. She says, I know that he's going to do something. And when she's looking for him, he's going to reveal himself to her. You see, Mary is weeping at the tomb. You, you say, I, I, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't, you don't understand what I'm facing. I don't see God anywhere. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know what to say for you. I wish I could take your pain. But the Bible says she was standing there with tears. I wish I could have dried her tears, but I can't. But I can tell you this, stop looking for man to do something for you. And start looking for God to do something for you. And, and she was looking for him. And, and you say, well, I haven't seen God in a long time. I haven't felt God in a long time. Y'all need to get excited. If you don't, you're going to be here an awful long time. I haven't felt God in a long time. I, I just kind of started drifting away. I haven't, I haven't felt God. How did I get to where God is? How can I find God? I'm going to tell you what. Let me give you this little biblical scripture, uh, a nugget that you can grab a hold of to find God in your life. Go back to the last place that you met God. Go back to the last place that you felt the presence of God, the power of God, and the authority of God in your life. Go back to that place. What am I going to do? Wait. Wait. Because I guarantee you he's going to show up. I guarantee he's going to show up. Hey, let me tell you this. I feel him all the time, but let me tell you, it's nothing like when you walk in the house of God and you feel the presence of God and the power of God. It's nothing like that. That's why I like coming to church. That's why I'm here every time the doors are open. Not because I'm the preacher, but I love being around the power of God. Amen. That's good preaching if I don't say it myself. Amen. Mary was looking for him. Can I ask you a question? Who are you looking for? Who, who, who are you looking for today? She's looking when nobody else is looking. She's looking where nobody else is looking. She's looking where no, everybody else knew where he was at, but she's there. Mary's looking where nobody else is looking. Man, you've got to understand Mary's background. We know the story of Mary Magdalene. We know her story. We know what happened to her. She was full of devils. She had no hope. 
She was nobody was going to help her. She was just going in torment after torment after torment. It just seems like nothing's going to happen to her. And then Jesus came. Then Jesus came. When everything looked bleak, uh, Jesus came. When there was no hope, Jesus came. I'm telling you, in my life, there was no hope. Uh, there was no help. Uh, my family done turned the back on me. I'm sitting in the pit uh, like Jeremiah. They done lured me in. I'm in the mire. I can't get up. I'm just saying, Lord, this is where I'm going to die. And then Jesus came. And he reached down further than I could ever reach up. He pulled me out of that miry pit and placed me on the solid rock. Woo! You got to look for him when nobody else is looking for him. Because God is able to do all things. She had seven demons in her. She had to put up with those demons. They tormented her life. Now, now, let me ask you this. How many of you have put up with seven demons? Okay, how many have put up with one demon? And she had to put up with seven of them. It was tearing her life apart. There was no hope, no help. And then Jesus came. And the reason why, because she believed what he could do that nobody else could do for her. She's seen it in her own life. Let me ask you this. Have you seen the power of God in your life? I've seen what God can do. But yet sometimes I still not looking for him. I don't feel him sometimes. And I don't understand why. Maybe because I, I need to go back to the place that I found him and, and I felt this presence and power and get back there. So, Lord, here I am. I'm just going to sit right here. I'm going to pray until you come back and touch me again. She was looking for him. Are, are you living your life that reveals Jesus in your life? Are you living the life that tells the world that you've been around the risen Savior? Can they see the risen Savior in your life? You've got to be looking for Him. Looking for Him. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. Jesus reveals Himself to those who are locked up. Verse 19 of John chapter 20 said the same day at the evening began the first day of the week when the doors were shut. Where the disciples had assembled themselves together, the door was shut. Bible says the same day, the resurrection Sunday, they were in to assemble themselves and the door was shut. Do you know we live in, and believe in shut doors today? You know how we live and, and celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We shout, we praise God, we give God the glory. I would hate to think that there were some disciples on Resurrection Sunday that weren't celebrating what Christ did. 
They weren't happy. They were scared to death, locked up in a room. The thing that they were afraid of was walking out on the streets where they were not at. Disciples were assembly with the doors shut this morning. We have a lot of people living behind closed doors today. I, I, I got to, I've looked at this before. It just seems to be a good time to bring it up again. The suicide rate among young teens is on a rise. And I'm not talking about 18, 19. I'm talking about 12, 13, 14. And the reason why it's on a rise, and get me, young people, listen to me, is because we get behind a shut door and we don't want nobody to come in. Mama can't get to you. Daddy can't get to you. The preacher can't get to you. You're living your own self in your own room. You got your headphones on. Listen to that ungodly music. You're doing what you want to do behind closed doors. And there's no hope. You feel frustrated. You feel like nobody cares because behind the closed doors. Can I say there are a lot of adults the same way. They will get behind the closed door. Don't want the world to come around. Don't want the preacher to come around. Don't want me to pray for you. Don't want anything. I'm just going to shut my door. We're living in a society of shut doors. Everybody wants to run to their room and shut the door and say, leave me alone. I've done that. I've been there. I've locked my door. Don't nobody come in. I don't want to see anybody. But I found out even behind closed doors and locked, Jesus is still there. When mama can't reach you, when daddy can't get you, when the preacher can't get you, Jesus can get to you. You shut that door and lock it all you want to, you're not locking him out. He can come through the door. It it said the disciples were behind closed door. Then it said, then Jesus came Jesus and stood in the midst of them. And said unto them, what did he say unto them? They were afraid, they were frustrated, they were upset, they were scared of the Jews out there that they're going to do to them what they had just done to Jesus. They didn't want to go. Then came Jesus. He didn't say, hey, I told you so. Hey, hey. You weren't listening. I tried to warn you day after day. I told you the things that I've got to do. I told you where I had to go. I told you I was going to go to the cross. You wasn't listening to me. If anybody had a right to condemn them, he had it. Where were y'all at when I needed you the most? When I was facing death, where were you at? When I was giving up my life for you, where were you at? Oh, he could have, bam, told Peter. You know, Peter, (laughs) Peter's got all that wisdom up there. I'll never leave you. I'll die for you. Peter, Satan desires to sift you. He says, before the day's over and before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Not me. 
when he denied him the third time, the Bible said he went out and wept bitterly. I'll stay with you. I'll die for you. No, you're not. If anybody, if anybody, Jesus certainly could have lowered the boom on them. But he said, peace be unto you. If that stone couldn't hold him, your shut door ain't going to hold him. Just because you're behind locked doors, the devil will laugh and think that he has got you and you can't get out. You don't have the key to that locked door. There's not a locked door that God cannot open. Jesus is the key to let you out of your locked room. Bible says they were sitting behind shut doors. They were fearful because they were afraid of the Jews. But they didn't know what they had done to Jesus. And whatever thing they'd done to Jesus, Jesus reversed it all. Now he's out of the grave. But in their minds, he's still in the tomb. He's been put to death. But he's gotten back up again. You see, many of us are afraid of something that God has already taken control of. God has already removed it out of your life, and we're still afraid. It's still behind those closed doors. There were fearful people, frustrated people. These were the people that Jesus needed the most in the time he needed. And Jesus said, I need you to get serious about what's going to happen, what's going to go on. Can I say this? It is the time and day in which we live in that we need to get serious about what's going on. We see the world today and how it is. We see the evil that's running in this world. It won't be long. Jesus is going to spread them clouds back and we're going home. It's time to get serious. It's time to tell people about Jesus. It's time to wake up and get out of that sleep that we're in today. But you know, when Jesus found them, they were arguing over who's going to be the greatest. Jesus, why are you arguing over something like that? But see, we're in the same way in church. Who's the greatest in the church today? Can the church make it without me? Well, the church has been going on for a awful long time and it's going to continue to go on until Christ comes back so it's going to make it without you I just want to be a part of it you see them disciples in that room don't you afraid then I look over in the corner and see that one got his head in his hands he's crying oh I made a mistake I made a big mistake. I shouldn't have done what I did. I shouldn't have done it. He'll never forgive me. But when he sent Mary to get him, he says, go tell the disciples. And then he said, and Peter. And Peter. He's not going to forget you. 
He's not going to forget you. They were locked up in rooms. I can't help but thinking about all the times Jesus told them that he must go through and suffer through, that he will rise again, but they were not paying attention. Oh, can I say today that we're not paying attention to the signs that God has given us today. We're, we're too busy doing what we want to do, go where we want to go, say what we want to say, but we're not giving God any attention. When God is trying to speak to us, when God is trying to get our attention, we're too busy for God. The whole time God was moving, He was still speaking, and they never heard what He had said. You know what's behind a closed door? Failure. Failure behind there. Simon Peter was a failure. He's the one who said, I'll go to the end of the world with you. I'll die for you. But yet he didn't. He denied him. I imagine some of us can say we're in our room, locked room, because of our failures, our mistakes. You ever had the guilt, the weight of your sin set upon you? Because of your failures? Because you've made a mistake? The Bible said, Peter wept, wept bitterly. But Jesus said, peace be unto you. Peace was the last thing on their mind. It was the last thing that's going on in that room. Weren't you glad when the world, the world knows what you did, when the family knows what you did? Jesus still says, peace be unto you. And instead of calling you out for what you are, He gives you what you need. The very thing that escaped them the most, He spoke it to them. Peace be unto you. Then he had said, when he had said that, he showed unto them his hands and his sides. And that's not the usual greeting that they would have in back in that day. Uh, <laughs> I imagine they even go like, hey, look here. Did you see this? See this? All right. See that? That's not usual thing. But I got to thinking about that when I read that. And I said, man, that's, you just don't greet somebody that way. But he did. There had to be a reason. So I come up with this little story. Might help you out a little bit. Down in Orlando, Florida, the hospital down there had some babies in the nursery get taken by not the mothers. So they devised this plan when they woman come in or husband come in she's having this baby when they come in the baby is burned they birth they give the baby a little wristband blue for boys pink for girls and they would put the wristband of that baby on the mother and the father that way they got a barcode on there and they scan it say yep this is who you are this is who you belong to and all that stuff and they put it on there and they'll tell you don't take it off you take it off you can't come in there you can't take it off unless you cut it off. They'll tell you, you cannot get into the nursery without this band. And I've seen people go up there. 
I want to go to my child. You got your band? No. You ain't coming in here. That, that's the way it is. It's for security. And I understand that because the ladies took one and ran all over Florida and they finally got her. So it's security. They, they, we know it's your child. We know it's got your name. But you ain't getting in here unless you got this on your arm. And I got to thinking about that. You got to have that to get in that place that nobody else can get to. You are locked up in that room, discouraged, frustrated, about ready to throw the towel in, about ready to give it up. Can I tell you what's standing on the outside of your room that you're locked up into is all the devils in hell trying to get inside where you're at to destroy and devour you. The devil's outside your locked room say, hey, hey, as soon as that door's open, I'm going to come in. I'm going to devour you. I'm going to take your life. I'm going to destroy you. But they don't have access. They don't have access. They can't get in there unless you open the door. But you don't have the key. Ooh. Jesus says, I've got the keys. I, right here in my hands, I have the keys. I can open that door. I can bring you out. The devils cannot do a thing. They cannot come around you. I have the key. I have access to your locked doors, and I'll bring you out. Yeah. Amen. He'll pull you out of that exit. Are you living your life like you have been exposed to the risen Savior. I got one more point, but I'm going to ask y'all this. I'm going to preach it tonight. It's a, I'll just preach the last point tonight. Come on back. You hear it? If you don't, then you'll, you'll just miss it then, I guess. But uh, I'll, I'll preach that tonight because it's, it's going to be a, it's about another 40-minute point. <laughs> but my, the whole thing it is, are you living your life as if you have seen the risen Savior. I'm telling you, Christians today are not living their life the way they should be living their life. There, there's, there's a deadness in the church today. Our souls are dead. Our spirit is dead. But let me tell you what. Jesus says, I come to give life. And not life, but I, I more abundantly, I want you to be on fire. And that's what we're talking about tonight. The fire that God gives. We need to get on fire again. We need some shouting times. We need somebody to jump the pews, run the roads. Get excited about what God has done for you. Move me if you can. Amen. Am I right? Exactly right. I'm just telling you. Are you living your life like you've been around the risen Savior? Now, when you walk out that door today, you cannot tell somebody, well, I haven't been around the risen Savior today. Because he's here. Yeah, you have. The thing of it is, you don't want him in your room with you. You said, no, 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 don't come in here. I like my lifestyle. I want to be behind locked doors. I don't want to be around you. I don't want the church. I don't want the preaching. I don't want the word of God. I don't need you. Let me tell you what, you need him more than you ever thought. Especially in the day that we're living in today. And I'm just going to say this, it ain't long. It ain't going to be long. 
You say, well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, they may say it for another 2,000 years, but none of y'all will be here. Amen. So he's coming back. One way or another. Are you living your life like you've been around the risen Savior? Amen. Let us stand.